Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I, I think the genesis of today's workday comes from the industrial revolution, right? You know, Henry Ford was like, I can teach somebody to sit in this stool and turn this crank and we're going to make a thousand Model Ts and they're not doing anything with their mind. So it's totally possible for me to require that person to sit there for eight hours. Now we still have this idea that we need to sit at a desk, sometimes doing some really high level work and other times doing mindless, inane, copy paste madness. And there's no reason for us to be doing that anymore. It probably sounds crazy when I say that, hey, I think in the future we're going to be working four hour workdays. But the reality is when we do really deep, meaningful, creative work, I don't think that we have much more than a four hour bandwidth. No, I, I personally can't give that much deep work time. Really, then that means that the other time that I would have spent working would have just been doing mindless robotic type processes. Why in the world am I doing that when there are ways that I can automate those things? I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Oh man, it's shameful, but I'll talk about it. <laughs> it's shameful. Um, so in hindsight, I wish I never got involved in this industry. Um, so let me just preface with that. But um, I was involved in making e-liquids for the uh, vaping industry. Not in the, you know, let's give them to kids way. I guess that's like kind of the current climate. Uh, this this was very early on in the industry's growth. and a friend came to me and said, you know, this is a cool alternative to cigarettes that is, you know, most likely far less harmful. Uh, and I know that you're an, you're itching for a new idea. Do you want to go in? So I did. And we started manufacturing these uh, liquids that people could vape. And yeah, that's that's what I was up to when you and I reconnected uh, after college. And that flopped on its face. I should have, in hindsight, I should have never, ever been in that industry. Um, I stuck out in that industry like a sore thumb. It was embarrassing. Um, you know, all the, all the folks in there were, um, they, they, they were like the, um, like the motocross uh, style folks, you know, like the baggy shorts and the flat build hats and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, I would try to go into these vape shops with my button up shirt and I just looked like an idiot. <laughs> so I really didn't belong there. So, I mean, in this situation, you basically went back to an industry you shouldn't have for a second time after failing the first time. It's almost as if you're a glutton for punishment. What was that all about? And what is the lesson that we need to learn from that? No, you're definitely right. You know, looking back, I probably should have never been in that industry to begin with. And the hard part is, as entrepreneurs, we're taught to tone out 
other voices, right? And to just listen in, in some ways, we have to rely on ourselves, listen to our own inner voice and do things that go against the grain. And so it's, it becomes a double-edged sword though, if we're unwilling to learn from our failures, right? And so if all we do is we get back up and we pick ourselves up and we say, Hey, I'm going to go back and do the exact same thing that didn't work. Uh, you know, it's a humbling experience, but I had a lot of excuses as to why it failed the first time. But I think the reality that I didn't want to face at that time was that I was frankly in the wrong industry. Uh, you know, not saying anything about the industry and in, in general, just that that industry is not a good fit for me. Uh, and I, when I, you know, went back the second time and tried again, this time completely on my own without a business partner, uh, and still failed, I was faced with the fact that, Hey, this is not a good fit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I definitely wish that I, you know, hadn't made that mistake, but at the same time, you know, if we were able to learn from our mistakes, then, you know, presumably, uh, we grow and good things come from that. Yeah. Well, I think that there's this sort of paradox to resilience that nobody ever really talks about, right? Because on, on the one hand, uh, we have to acknowledge reality. And this is something that's really interesting. I, I got this, you know, from talking to Ramit Seth the other day. He said, you can't ignore the systemic forces that have riddled you with student loan debt. He said, there is a political party that basically made it impossible for you to discharge that bankruptcy and mm-hmm. uh, discharge those loans in bankruptcy. He said, that's, you know, you have to acknowledge reality. Um, and the interesting thing about, uh, you know, any sort of creative or entrepreneurial endeavor is that to have the sort of um, persistence that's required for this, you have to have this sort of bizarre balance between acknowledging reality and at the same time ignoring it, but also (laughs) knowing when it's time to actually not ignore it and acknowledge it. And it's this really sort of bizarre tightrope walk almost. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Tightrope walk is exactly how I would describe it, right? You have to tune out a certain level of um, disparaging, you know, comment or comments that come from people who aren't in your position. And at the same time, uh, you still have to, you can't keep your blinders off indefinitely, right? You have to, you have to, you know, kind of barrel forward in the face of adversity yet still be flexible to steer a little bit, um, and, and, and find the right fit. So yeah, it is a tightrope walk. You, you nailed it. Yeah. The other, I think that the other thing is is that uh, I think that part of what happens in the world of sort of self-development and, and personal development and all these inspiring self-help books is that we basically praise positive thinking to the the detriment of realistic thinking. You know, Greg Hartle had a really interesting way of putting this. He said that people engage so much in possibility that they ignore probability of success. <laughs> and so we end up, you know, with sort of delusional optimism instead of rational optimism. I, you know, I think Greg is totally on the money with that as well. Um, I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, we need to really find a good fit for ourselves, right? Uh, There are plenty of industries and plenty of uh, businesses that I would be awful at running, right? And there are certain things that I am naturally inclined to just based on my personality, the way my brain works. Uh, the fact that I'm a male, you know, how I show up in the world. There are all of these factors that each of us has that are unique to us. And I think that they, you know, they either align or, or don't with certain industries, certain businesses and, you know, make us good fits. 
Yeah. I think that, you know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, and I said, you know, uh, the first time we attempted to do this and we had some technical difficulties, that it would be unfair to get out of this conversation without talking about your wife and the credit that she deserves for being the person that she is in letting, enabling this to happen. So, um, you know, I know that I think the thing that really stuck with me was when you said to me that you decided to turn down this job and she nearly stabbed you in your sleep. But (laughs) talk about the things that led up to that, because I, you know, I think that there was so much to learn from that. You know, there, there is a ton to take away from this, you know, uh, in, in going up to that point in our, in my life, you know, I, I'd had this great job, uh, that I connected with and that aligned with who I was received a layoff from that position and was just doing this contract type work, essentially treading water in the meantime, in order to keep food on the table while I figured out my next move. And that's when this offer came in from, you know, one of these contract positions and this offer came in and I thought, you know, this is, this is where I'm going to, you know, go. But frankly, it did not align with who I was as a person. And even though the money was good and, or would have been good, um, you know, I had to make the decision not to, not to go that direction. And I, in some ways left the decision up to them because I, I countered their offer with a, with a much higher offer said, well, I'll do it if you give me this much, uh, which I knew almost undoubtedly they would say no thanks to, which they did in fact say no thanks to. Um, and they made the decision easy for me, but had they actually said yes, I would have been, you know, miserable in a cubicle for the next, you know, I don't know, nine months before I (laughs) finally, you know, got fired or quit that job. Right. Because, you know, honestly, it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that you talk about fit because it's as, as I was, you were saying that I was thinking, yeah, I'm like, I don't think I could ever run your business. I don't know that I ever want you running mine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, no harm there, but I don't know that I would ever want to run your business. Right. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't align with who I am. So, yeah. Absolutely. But I think there's, there's something that, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, you and I've had this conversation offline, but you know, you had to tell your fiance, you know, literally like months before your wedding that you no longer had a job. Take me to that moment. That was a tough one, man. I I remember there aren't many times in my life that are kind of like frozen into memory. Um, I can think of like maybe five, you know, just traumatic experiences that I will never forget. And this was one of them. I remember, you know, receiving my layoff and I remember getting on the train because I would, I took the light rail uh, into downtown every day. I remember getting on the train, taking it home and just kind of staring blankly, you know, out into the universe and uh, not knowing what was next. Right. And I get home and my wife, you know, instantly goes into our, our routine. She wants to tell me how her day was and, you know, all of this. And I, I'm, I couldn't even remember what she said, right. For the first, like maybe 10 minutes, I'm just kind of present, but not present. I'm sure you've been there before. Right. And, uh, and then I finally just had to interrupt her and I said, honey, I, I don't think that I can just do the routine right now. I have to tell you what happened today. (laughs) And I was like, I was, I was laid off. And she just stared at me like I was joking. She's like, yeah, there's no way that happened. I was like, no, I'm serious. And uh, she was like, how is that possible? You know, Um, because as you said, we had a brand new house. Well, brand new to us, right? Brand new mortgage. Um, And and we were months away from from a destination wedding. Uh, And 
yeah, for all that to come kind of to a screeching halt and suddenly have this financial or lack of financial security was a really scary thing. I think for for me, and maybe it's just based on you know history, I would be terrified that that would be kind of it. Like that would be the moment in which she leaves and she didn't uh, for you. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? Like, what do you think made her stick around despite all of that? It's a good question. Um, and you know, I I never really doubted that that she would not be there. Um, although I suppose it's a it's a well founded fear. Right. Um, because, you know, obviously finances are a big part of a relationship. So it does make a lot of sense to, to consider that maybe, you know, she would have um, not wanted to stick around for that. But the reality is we, you know, my wife and I have been through all kinds of ups and downs. And I mean, we've been living paycheck to paycheck and then we've been very, very comfortable. So um I don't know. I just, uh, we always just kind of look at everything like a challenge and it's us, it's, it's up to us to figure a way through when things get tough. So I never really considered that, you know, it wasn't going to continue. What do you, what do you think leads to the kind of bond between the two of you that basically says, okay, you know what, we'll figure this out together because, you know, there are a lot of people who would have said, and, 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 you know, in some ways, maybe rightfully so, particularly, you know, thinking, like you said, finances are important, especially if you're about to be in a marriage and you have a mortgage. There are a lot of people who would say, you know what, I don't think that this is something I want to follow through on. What do you think it is that leads to that level of commitment to each other where, you have somebody who's willing to say, you know what, I believe in you enough that I'm going to stand by your side. I mean, and she did this through two failed businesses and an insane (laughs) amount of bullshit, like having friends that, you know, like me as your best friend. So, (laughs) you know, which, which, you know, like you said, you know, when we talked last week, she really is a saint, but like, what is it that leads to that level of, of trust and conviction and belief in each other? Wow, man. Um, So I'm going to have to make sure she listens to this so that she knows how you feel about her. So, (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I I wish I had a really solid answer for you on this front. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you for me, um, I used to tend to date the wrong type of person. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of guys could probably relate to this, right? Where, you know, the things that we, uh, you know, think of as important are, fleeting and incredibly temporary and, you know, don't fuel a relationship for the long term. And when I decided that I was going to get serious about dating and, you know, serious about finding somebody who I wanted to spend my life with, uh, I basically turned my, you know, decision maker on its head. And I said, all right, you know, you know, if you were to list out the things that, you know, might have mattered to me when I was in my mid twenties, it would be like, uh, you know, um, you know, attractive level, uh, you know, attractiveness, um, you know, uh, does she go out and have fun? And is she, you know, is she very social and all these things? And I basically flipped that on its head and said, all right, I'm not going to care much about attractiveness at all. And by the way, this is not to say that my wife's an unattractive lady (laughs) (laughs) because I don't want to come off like that. I think she's, you know, she's very beautiful. But it wasn't my my primary thing for choosing, right? It, it was no longer my um, my leading indicator, if to put it in business terms. My it was not right. It wasn't my <laughs> north star metric. Um, yeah. Instead, it was you know, do I have a real you know sincere connection with this person? Do we when we hang out just have fun and are we real together? 
you know how, you know, when you start dating somebody, you feel like you're always putting on airs. Um, I just said, forget that. I'm just going to be my, my absolute self as ridiculous as I can be. And if she accepts (laughs) me, then great. And if she doesn't, then obviously there's nothing here. And as simple as that sounds like it actually by, by being genuine and showing up in a genuine way for, for dates and really, you know, in in building this relationship, I think Uh it laid the foundation for us to have what we have today. So we know a lot of you have been listening to us for years, and it means the world to us. What we do here at The Unmistakable Creative wouldn't be possible without the support of our listeners. If the podcast has been valuable to you, one of the best ways you can support us is to subscribe to Unmistakable Creative Prime, which gives you access to transcripts, all of our courses, monthly coaching calls, live chats with our guests, and an incredible community of creatives. And it costs less than you spend on a cup of coffee every month. For the school teachers and people in our education system, Prime is completely free to help you with this transition to teaching online. We've packed it with a ton of value and actionable content, and we hope you'll check it out. Just go to unmistakablecreative.com slash prime to learn more. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash prime. It's funny that, that you say, you know, that because I, I, you know, I think the last time we had lunch before all this craziness, uh, with the, the coronavirus started, uh, I remember, you know, I'd come back and, uh, I, I hadn't seen you guys in about a week or two and I'd gone on this date and, you know, uh, Matt basically, you know, so I, I think I, I started telling your wife about her and Matt says, Oh, he's totally smitten with her. And she looks at me and she's like, you know how I know he's smitten? He hasn't said a word about what she looks like. And he's been talking about her for 10 minutes. Yep. And oh, that was like, the exact same thought. That was kind of one of those moments of, okay, wow. I'm like, Sarah is hands down one of the most accurate judges of character that I know <laughs> in my life. Like she's a really good litmus test for who I should allow into my life. Uh, so that, yeah. you know, that was like, it was like a wake up call, you know, for me to have her say that out loud in the way that she did. And I was like, Oh my God, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But you know, in all in full transparency, you know, and we've been, we've been friends for a long time. Right. When you start dating a girl, almost always one of the first things you say is how hot she is. <laughs> right. It is. Yeah. And, you know, this time, as you said, you know, you you didn't mention her looks at all for the first 10 minutes of you telling me about this girl. And I was I was thinking the same thing in the back of my mind. But Sarah was the one who vocalized it. And, and I, <laughs> and I gave her a knowing glance of like, yep, he likes this one, doesn't he? <laughs> so so. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's shift gears and start talking about this business that you've started that uh, in many ways is like this just insane story that, you know, it, like, I mean, the speed at which things took off is is pretty unparalleled from what I've seen. It was one of those things where I think I remember like a couple of years ago, you're like, if you ever think I would be like a fit for unmistakable creative, I was like, well, your story is still in progress. Then I heard an interview that you did. And I was like, I can do that a thousand times better. So, yes, you're you're ready. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I, I, it's funny because I remember when I asked you years ago, hey, do you ever think, you know, I, I would be un- unmistakable? Uh, I didn't have anything to talk about, really, uh, if we're being honest, no. right? I had a couple failed businesses under my belt. Yippee, who wants to hear about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but as you as you point out, you know, there's some really uh, fun stuff that we've been up to lately. So, yeah. Um, where do you want me to start on this one? Do you want me to kind of go I mean, the very, the, the very, yeah, go to the beginning. I mean, you know, you come back from the wedding, you've turned down this job, you, you know, you now have a new bride and no income. So, you know, <laughs> we'll start yeah. there. Barely, barely scraping, a, you know, $1,500 to $3,000 together every month. You know, it's kind of just treading water. And um, I invested in a course that was uh, about how to become a virtual consultant. 
And I was, you know, just kind of learning and improving my skill set. And I thought I could, I could do virtual consulting. And then I found a software that I just thought was incredible. I was reading an article um, in Business Insider, I think. And there was this great article about this new software that was just the, you know, the new darling in San Francisco uh, that was just, you know, doing all these great things. And the uh, software is called Airtable. And it is, it looks and feels like Excel, but it is actually a relational database. So it's a, you know, I like to call it Excel in 3D. And I realized that people probably weren't utilizing it to its fullest potential. So I thought, hey, I'll put together uh, a little bit of a YouTube video and just kind of walk people through the beginnings. And that first video was called Intro to Airtable, I think, or, or no, Getting Started with Airtable. Uh, I decided to put a small ad budget behind it. So we started spending $5 a day just to promote this video on YouTube so that it would show up in people's feed. And yeah, as you mentioned, we went to Jamaica. That ad was running. $5 a day ran for 10 days. So I spent $50 on ad spend. By the time I got back from Jamaica, there were three, no, four people had booked consultations and three of those four closed and produced about $10,000 worth of revenue. And that was kind of the, oh my gosh moment. Like there's something here. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that I appreciated about this was just the simplicity behind it. You know, there's no crazy business plan, nothing. You're like, I'm going to throw this up on YouTube. I'm going to spend $5 a day. And, uh, you know, this is the result. But I think that what really that makes me realize is how hesitant people are to do something even that small. Like, why do you think that is? Like, what is it that prevents somebody from doing that? Well, I think that people tend to overcomplicate things in their minds, right? Uh, and to some extent, I think we're all victims of this, uh, myself included. But when we start to map out what something might look like, we overcomplicate it and we think, well, in order to get, in order to get where I'm going, I need to have, you know, A, B, C, D, all the way through, you know, the whole alphabet, right? And the reality is, you know, we're putting the cart before the horse. And if we were to take a step back and say, well, we don't even know if we can get to C, let alone to Z, <laughs> right? Let's, let's focus on just getting to C first and breaking it down. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard the expression, how to eat an elephant, you know, one bite mm -hmm. at a time. Uh, we just need to break it down that way and really just say, well, what do I need to do? My hypothesis in this case is people don't understand how to implement Airtable to build a central database for their business. Is that tr a true hypothesis? Well, I don't know. How, how can I test it? Well, I don't have everyone in the world's email address or even everyone who's using Airtable, so I can't ask the question directly. How about instead I throw up a little quick video? What is gonna, what's it going to cost me to do that? You know, how can we, yeah. how can we boil this down into very simple ways that we can perform tests and test our hypothesis each step of the way? No. So I think the, there's, there's something really interesting about this in that there are a lot of people who, let's say that you failed at that, right? Because I tried to replicate your results using Notion and maybe I kind of did a half-assed job, which is a whole other story. But, um, I think that that ended up becoming a distraction more than anything else. But the funny thing is we're, we're actually doing some of that within our, our mighty network already. Um, cause I think that there's iteration involved, right? Like it didn't turn out that that was the right thing, but it didn't 
go to waste entirely either because I am using some of those concepts. The thing that I think often happens, though, in a situation like this is let's say that you had failed. Let's say that it didn't work out and you didn't get those three clients or the $10,000 in revenue. I know you well enough to know that you would have been like, all right, cool, I'm going to try something else. Now, a lot of people who will take that first failure and treat it as something permanent. And it makes me think of something that James Clear said when you mentioned experiment. He said to me, he said, you know, if you look at the way scientists treat failure, they don't actually get emotionally involved in their failures. They're like, this is just part of doing science. Like if my dad got attached to the failed experiments that he conducted as a professor, like he would have never even gotten to be a professor. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, here's the thing, right? The same thing with sales. You you it takes a certain kind of uh, constitution in order to be, you know, great at sales, right? You have to handle rejection well and uh, be able to keep getting up and it's all about showing up and or at least this is what, you know, the gurus would tell you, about showing up and and performing volume, etc. Um and but I think that that kind of boils down to the same thing where and and I don't accidentally use the word hypothesis, test, right? These are very these these words are are very intentionally used because it is scientific in in some regards, right? Like we we have we have an idea that we're we're testing to see if it will in fact you know hold true or not. And we you know why would we get emotionally involved or or you know connected to that? Um, I think that and and in a lot of ways I think that this is something that my you know uh, troubled uh, you know past <laughs> has has kind of set me up. To uh, to strive in because there's uh, there's an important lesson to be learned when you can disconnect emotion from you know outcome. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I think creative work works the same way. Uh, I mean, think about how many blog posts, how many podcasts, you know, ten years later, and also how many things are just absolutely flopped that we put out into the world. But I think that people have such a hard time when it comes to creative work because they feel like it's this extension of themselves because it's expressed by them and they have a hard time separating themselves from the work. Because I remember there was, there was a period of time where I always felt that the results of you know our business, whether that be the number of downloads or number of listeners, whatever it is, were intertwined with my identity and self-worth as a person. You seem to have done a pretty damn good job of separating those two things, um, you know, how how do you do that? Like, is that something that can be learned? And also, you know, I know right now in the midst of everything that's going on, you're not having the crazy kind of, you know, uh, you know months that just blew your mind uh, just a couple months ago. You know, it's it's by taking a scientific approach, one, and also by focusing on metrics that matter. And frankly, the metrics that matter are going to fluctuate with with what's going on in the world. Now, if you'd have asked me this question uh, three months ago or even two months ago, uh, you, and, and you'd asked me, you know, what metrics matter, I'd have said, oh, I'm tracking revenue, top line, and, you know, gross margin and all these, you know, very uh, MBA type answers. But right now, my, my focus is, you know, on teaching people how these tools can help them in the midst of the pandemic. And, while that might mean that my top line, my revenue is suffering right now. Uh, and yes, in fact, you know, like so many businesses out there, we are in fact seeing a slowdown ourselves as our clients are no longer, you know, having the same budget uh, to, to bring on our services. But at the same time, I think that if I look at the right metric, uh, which is helping people, you know, uh, educating people on, on using the tool 
at the end of the day, I think that that's what will drive the business and help us all get out of this current situation. So, you know, in brief, to answer your question, focusing on the right metrics and realizing that those metrics don't directly correlate to you as a founder uh, in in a tangible way, right? I mean, what's going on right now with with you know the COVID pandemic has nothing to do with me as a founder, but the way that I react to it and the way that I pivot my business, uh, you know, does. Yeah, absolutely. So there's one other thing that I think is really fascinating. I mean, you and I have had extensive conversations uh, about this in particular, and this is a kind of what really got me to want to talk to you. And it's funny because we've talked very little about this itself, but one of the things that you and I have talked quite a bit about was the future of work, mainly probably because we had to sit at attention in the stands at, you know, high school band like <laughs> slaves. So needless to say, we both have this just utter disdain for authority that like the kind of authority that actually prevented us from becoming friends for 20 years, right. um, which is a whole other aside. Uh, but that being said, I think that one of the things that really intrigued me when, you know, I heard you uh, on the other podcast that you did was this conversation about the future of work and the idea that the way that we work is broken uh, and that so much of what you do actually fixes uh, a lot of this. Because I remember the first time that you showed me what was possible, I just kind of, you know, was stunned because of how much time it was saving me. But I think that, you know, and of course, like it didn't hurt that I was also stoned. So that made it even more interesting. <laughs> I didn't know uh, how real we were going to get right now. I was like, is he going to I, I mean, about nobody. <laughs> yeah. He's at this point, you know, there, there's not much that this audience hasn't heard. So uh, <laughs> the, but the, the, the crazy thing was that uh, I think deep down, I, I really, that idea resonated with me as somebody who has always challenged this whole idea of the fact that we're not supposed to be spending eight hours a day in front of a damn computer, even though we're quarantined right now and there's nothing else to do. Okay. So yeah, right now is a, is a weird time. So like, let's just take that out of the equation when we talk about this and let's imagine what, or remember what our work days looked like before all of this, right? The, the work day is fundamentally broken. And I think that it's because it comes from I think the genesis of today's workday comes from the industrial revolution, right? Where it's like, you know, Henry Ford was like, I can teach somebody to sit in this stool and turn this crank and we're going to make a thousand model T's and it's amazing. And, you know, they're not doing anything with their mind. So it's totally possible for me to require that person to sit there for eight hours, right? Or 10 hours or whatever, whatever the times were back in those days. Now we still have this idea that we need to sit at a desk at a computer Sometimes doing some really high level work and other times doing mindless, inane, copy paste madness, right? And those are the times, the, the, the latter, the, the, the mindless copy paste work that we do. There's no reason for us to be doing that anymore. But yet when a company hires somebody, they're like, well, I need eight hours worth of work out of this person. Otherwise, it's not economically viable to hire them, right? And so they fill their day with mindless madness. And we as founders, even solopreneurs and, and founders in our own businesses still tend to do that. We hire people for mindless jobs that are copy paste. So yeah, that's, that is in, in my mind, a, a massive flaw with the, with the current system, the current way that we accept that, you know, work should be done. And I think it's, it's perfectly fine for us to start standing up and saying, this in this day and age when we can automate processes and and streamline the work we do you know quite frankly i think that 
the workday of the future will be approximately half, if not less than half of what it is currently. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. 
We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this whole idea of automation. I, I think that people hear the word automation. They think artificial intelligence, robots, and software that's crazy expensive and inaccessible to the average person. But you guys have gone so far as to automate things like your daughter doing her chores. <laughs> that's right. Well, I, I've automated how my daughter reports her chores. Yes. So she still has to do them. <laughs> But I don't have to do any of the administration adding up you know, how much allowance I have to pay anymore. That's true. So here's the deal. And you're totally right, man. Thanks for bringing that up. Because when people talk about automation, they are thinking like, oh, Toyota or uh, you know, uh, Amazon, right? Uh, but you don't have to be a billion-dollar corporation in order to take advantage of automation. Automation really means when, when, some, when this thing happens, and we'll, we, I call that, well, we in automation, we call that the trigger event. When the trigger event happens, then there is a workflow that follows. And if you think about it, this happens all the time, I'm sure, in, in your daily life, everyone listening. And I know it happens in, in yours because we've built these systems for use, Renee. So, yeah. you know, and you know, maybe we could use, you know, the podcast as, as an example. Would that be okay? I think we should actually, let's use your daughter's chores as an example because I think that's more relatable to more people. Okay, very good. So here's, here's, here's how things go down with my daughter's chores, right? She has a certain list of things that she has to do on a daily basis. And when she does them, she has to acknowledge that she did them. At which point, my wife or I, but my wife, uh, checks off and verifies that those things in fact happened. And when she confirms that they did happen, uh, then payout is tied to that, right? So and this is particular to the way that my daughter's chores work, but we use a regressive model where it's like, I don't remember what it is. I think she gets $12.50 a week. And every time she misses something, money comes off of that, right? So if you think about it, that's all data collection, right? Every day she has to say, I've done these things. That's all. Those are all data points. And then my wife goes in and says, yes, she has or has not done these things. And then the calculations are automatic. Right. So we, we could very easily tell how much is owed to her. These are all processes that can be automated. And specifically what we've done for my daughter, in her case, she gets a, a text message at night, same time every night, comes to her phone. She clicks a link in the text message and checks off the chores that she's done. Then that data gets uploaded into a database that my wife then gets a text message that says, you know, your daughter has put in a new uh, submission. Please check it. She goes then. She goes into the database and confirms or denies the uh, the submissions, and then the amount is calculated. Then once a week, again, this is all part of the process, right? It's all it's the same process every time. Once a week, at the end of the week, the database looks at itself and says, "Hey, here are how many submissions have been approved over the last week. This is your payout." And it submits, you know, a text message with that money, and uh, and then we get the alert, and we make a, a manual transfer to her card. And I know that it sounds a little crazy that I would be so, you know, <laughs> I would go and build this, right? But it, in all honesty, took me an hour to do, 
to yeah. build the process. And of course, that's shorter for me because I know you know how to do it. But if I were learning it, it would take a lot longer. But the reality is that's an hour that I spend one time. And so instead of doing the process myself manually over and over and over again every day, taking up and, and sure, you could argue, hey, it takes you, you know, 10 minutes a day. What's the big deal? Because it adds up, right? 10 minutes a day yeah. over over the year. I mean, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but it, it would be certainly more than an hour. And so why why not instead build an automated process to support the workflow that then works in the background every day, on time, never misses, you know, and and now it's it's an investment that I make one time to spend the hour as opposed to 10 minutes daily. Yeah. So let's do the business example. Let's use the podcast because I think that I wanted to, to have your daughter as an example because I think it's a very practical one uh, for somebody who looks at this and was like, yeah, this is irrelevant to me. I was like, well, maybe not. But you know, let's do the, the high level version of what you did for the podcast because um, I, like I said, to me, it was one of those things where I, I, I kind of wonder now how much time, I don't even know how much time I was spending, but it sure seems like I was wasting a lot of time. I'm sure you were, and I bet we could calculate it, you know, so, you know, just kind of rewind here. We use two, two different tools to build these things. One part is building the data collection, right? And that's Airtable. We, we store data in the relational database in the cloud, but the other part, and I'm sure your listeners have probably heard about this tool before, Zapier is an automated process. They call themselves the plumbing of the internet. And basically, uh, they allow you to pass data from one cloud-based software to another, right? And if you think about it, all of the things that we use in our business, they require us to log in and out of dozens of different systems. And, you know, we've got all these windows open. And, and you know, in many cases, we've got, you know, six dozen spreadsheets that we're using that try to track these different things. And it's just a mess. And so Airtable then allows us to put everything in one place, what we call a single source of truth, and then automate all those processes so that invoices are created or payments are initiated or you know text messages go out. All of this stuff can be done in the cloud through Zapier automation because it connects all of the other softwares. So yeah. you know, having having given you know a bit of backstory to the how, specifically for your business. You know, you had people booking consultations. It wasn't a really uh, drawn out process. Uh, now they submit a form, right, on your yeah. website. You approve. Yeah, or this deny is for that. interviews, basically. Yeah, right. You approve or deny that form, and if you approve it, then they're sent. Uh, you know, uh, there's a certain workflow that, that that falls through. If you deny it, then there's another response that's automated, so you no longer have to type these emails. Um, Let's see. What was the other part? Uh, oh, when you record uh, a podcast, mm -hmm. then uh, some a headshot needs to be submitted to your artist. Your artist now uh, receives that on a website where they log in and they see just what just the data that they need to see, and uh, and then they can upload the artwork that they create for the episode. Similarly, I think something happens on your editing side as well. Uh, it's been a while yeah. since we built your workflow, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get the, the yeah, I just wanted to give people sort of a, a general overview of this because uh, I think that what you start to see is just how powerful this is and also do the sheer amount of time that people waste um, on things, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, well, and it probably sounds crazy when I say that, hey, I think in the future we're going to be working four-hour workdays. But the reality is, I don't think that 
when we do really deep work, deep, meaningful, creative work, I don't think that we have much more than a four hour bandwidth. And I'm no expert no. on this. I'm not a psychologist. I would love to hear somebody's opinion if they want to weigh in, but I, I personally can't give that much deep work time. Right. And so really then that means that the other time that I would have spent working would have just been doing mindless robotic type processes. Why in the world am I doing that when there are ways that I can automate those things? And, yeah. you know, frankly, I think on average, we see about 10 hours saved per employee uh, per week. Wow. So one of the things that I want to kind of bring us full circle with is that you kind of are, are, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we can say you kind of a rags to riches story. I mean, you're not like, you know, John Paul Deloria sleeping in a car and, you know, then, you know, creating a billion dollar cosmetics brand. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, your financial situation has changed substantially in yeah. the time that I've known you to the point where you're not worried about money anymore, to the best of my knowledge, not at least the way you were. and even when we're talking about metrics, you know, I, I kind of wondered out, like, what did you consider success at the beginning of this, even when you knew things were starting to take off? And now that this business has been running for what, almost two years, what is, how has your definition of success changed as the business has evolved? And as you have, you know, grown older and, you know, with time? Ah, oh, man, that's a tough question to answer. You know, at first, here's the thing, our, our, our metric for success is relative to our current situation, right? So you have to think when I was building this business, I was, you know, I don't know what my my salary was that I lost. I was trying to replace like roughly $6,000 take home a month, right? And so when that's when that's your baseline and that's where you're trying to get and all of a sudden you put up one video and you see $10,000 worth of revenue come from that video and you know, at this time, of course, I didn't have a team, right? So it was me building this. That was basically my salary. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? So, I mean, that right there was success, but that very quickly becomes the new norm, right? And then suddenly you're moving the bar further and you're saying, okay, well, now I need to, I need to see, uh, you know, $25,000 a month in, in revenue. That's my new goal. And then certain, and soon that doubles and then that doubles. But yeah, you get to a point where I think, you have, obviously, we have different goals for different parts of our business. There's always going to be a revenue goal where we want to get to next month or next quarter. But now my definition of success, you know, and this kind of goes to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When you're fed and and you've got a roof over your head and you don't have to worry about those, you know, meeting your bare element, you know, the bare essentials any longer, suddenly you get to that higher, higher level, right, where you're like, okay, now my goal is helping more people. My goal is having a bigger impact, um, you know, those types of things. So, I mean, if we're talking, you know, purely financially, yeah, um, there's, there's certainly a lot of ease that has come as the business grew. Um, but, you know, I think, I think needs shift or goals shift and, and we start focusing on, on higher level things. Um. So how much of, of the, the psychology of, of sort of how we think about money has been impacted? I mean, obviously, I remember, you know, my old business partner, Brian, once he told me, he's like, you want to the best way to change your money story is to make more money. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I think anybody, you know, who's listening would be like, well, yeah, that's completely obvious. But uh, what I wonder is, you know, so often, sometimes what you'll see is that people's internal narrative about money stays the same, even though they have this external success, and then they end up right back where they're at. So I wonder what has gone on inside your head in relation to that, like how you think about that now. 
Man, it's a good question. Um, I think the big thing that I see in myself that that I consciously encourage, you know, it that I don't see in a lot of other founders is the willingness to invest in people who know what they're doing. Um, if I'm building a new funnel, for example, I'm not the best person for that in all cases, right? In many, yeah, I want I want an expert's opinion, someone who's done this three, four dozens of times. <laughs> uh, that that can bring real results, and I think as you grow a business, especially one you know where you you find a, a very uh, a good niche for yourself, and and you're you're seeing success. I think in order to grow that business, it's really important to bring in people who can really help you grow it. Uh, you know, frankly, there's no way that I would have been able to take this where it's gone so far uh, if it, if I had just tried to do it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, dude, I mean, obviously, you, given how close our friends we are, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this um, just because there's so much here. Uh, but I think that makes a really perfect way to wrap up our conversation. So I want to finish with my final question, which you've heard me ask a thousand times. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Oh, your most predictable question, yet your hardest one to answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? By design, I'm sure. Um, listen, I think for me, it's, it's resiliency, being able to get up and, uh, continue to show up in a world that's not, that's not producing the, the result that you think, uh, it should be producing for you and to find a way to bend it to what you have to offer. Uh, and this almost sounds a little matrix like, right. Uh, but being, being resilient enough to keep getting up and to keep trying and until you finally find that, that way that you're in harmony with everything else. I think there's, there's no way that anyone can ever replicate exactly that. Amazing. Um, well, dude, I, this has been long overdue. Um, I am so thrilled that we got to have you as a guest and I got to ask you questions in this context, which I don't think I've ever even got to ask you in the context of, you know, our normal conversations. Uh, <laughs> where can people find out more about you and everything that you're up to? Yeah, thanks. Please feel free to check out our YouTube channel, YouTube slash C slash Gareth Pronovost, or go directly to our website, GarethPronovost.com, where uh, we have all of our stuff up there. Uh, you can learn more about Airtable and automation and streamlining your own business and life. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Did you know that every Sunday, our community manager, Melina, sends out 10 key takeaways from episodes just like this one? All you have to do to receive it is sign up for our newsletter. Just visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter, and you'll get them delivered right to your inbox. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.